Good afternoon, morning, evening, or night, depending on where you are. It is I, Skyblaze, and this is the Hidden Palace. Welcome to my special Halloween spoopy episode. I hope you are all in mood for some creepypasta stories and some urban legends. So, since this is the Halloween episode and we are talking about the spoopy things in life, I might as well get this one out of the way right off the bat. So let's talk about Sonic.exe, shall we? For those of you who are not familiar with the term creepypasta, creepypasta actually originated from the term copypasta, which uh, was a method of sharing short stories uh, by copies, copying and pasting them in forums. Uh, 4chan and various other forums use this a lot. Uh, so copy-paste copy pasta. And then people realised that it was actually a really good uh, venue to share creepy stories, hence creepypasta. So Sonic.exe was a creepypasta story that was originally written by someone called JC the Hyena, and it was based on a fan art manipulation of the title screen from the original Sonic game. The artwork has Sonic with glowing red, bloody eyes, the usual sparkling blue water in the background is a dark blood red, and the copyright info says SEGA666. Uh, the story basically concerns a person called Tom, who receives a disc containing a hacked version of the first Sonic game from a friend. A note accompanying the disc begs Tom to destroy the disc, but beset by curiosity, Tom plays the game and watches with growing horror as first Tails, then Knuckles, and finally Robotnik are chased through levels decorated with the bloodied corpses of the usual Sonic animal critters like Flickies and so on, before they are caught and brutally killed by apparently an evil version of Sonic. Uh, then a message appears on a black screen addressing Tom by name and asking if he wants to play a game. Now, the original creepypasta was not very well written. Uh, it's considered to be uh, not a great example of the creepypasta genre. Uh, it's cliched as all hell. Uh, it's very trite in places. There's all sorts of kind of stuff that is generally considered to be like so massively cliched and done and boring by the creepypasta and horror communities on the internet. However, it did produce enough popularity for someone to create a game based on the story. Uh, I will play some music and then we'll go on to some further information about Sonic.exe and its sequels. So let's have some music. This is Corruption from, by Tubers McGee. Uh, it is from the temp Temporal Duality OC Remix album from Sonic CD. So here we go.
apparently I managed to startle Mikhail with uh, that last track. That was uh, the Bad Future boss from Sonic CD, uh, the Japanese and European version. Previous to that it was uh, Corruption, Metallic Madness by Tubers McGee from the Temple Duality OC Remix album. Um, those of you who have seen uh, the various secrets videos from Sonic CD know that that's the track that tends to play over that weird fun is infinite distorted Sonic face. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's worth looking up the uh, the it's it's in the sound test. Uh, and if you do certain things in the sound test, um, various images appear in the background, including a kind of humanoid version of Sonic that's inspired by Batman, and a weird distorted Sonic face with the Japanese words fun is infinite next to it, uh, which some people think is nightmare fuel, especially if that uh, bad future boss music is playing over the top. <laughs> oh well. Um, Mikhail says he was uh, listening to the music at full volume, so yeah, that would do it. That would be pretty. Oh, that would startle me if I uh, if I suddenly heard that creepy music at full volume. Sorry about that. Uh, where was I? I was talking about Sonic.exe. So somebody in their infinite wisdom called My5T Crimson um, created a version of the Sonic.exe game as a um, a game hack, a ROM hack. It plays pretty much as it's described in the story. Uh, there's three levels with um, Tails, Knuckles, and uh, Eggman, Robotnik. You can find playthroughs by both Markiplier and PewDiePie, among lots of others on YouTube. Uh, I think for Markiplier's it was one of his very early uh, playthroughs. And interestingly, there's an actual secret ending in the game, which involves finding three hidden minus rings. You have to do certain things like go, well, like backtrack in various uh, parts of levels, uh, and you find these minus rings, which actually put like take rings off. And considering there aren't any other rings in the game, then if you complete all, if you get all three, all three of them, then you end up with minus three rings, which is odd. Uh, if you manage this, then you get to a secret stage where you play of, as Sonic and see several bits of distorted imagery in the background and a message from the Sonic.exe Sonic Demon thing where he proclaims himself to be a god and there's also a message written in Japanese which when translated is a peculiar, slightly nonsensical ramble about being tortured and being lifted into a higher state of being or something. It's not exactly clear. I've been told that other versions of the game have different writing, but I can't confirm this personally. So yeah, uh, Sonic.exe also has a sequel game which is called Sally.exe, uh, which again features three levels. The first features Amy Rose, the second has Cream the Rabbit, and the third has Sally Acorn. Again, the Sonic Demon thing appears to wreak havoc, uh, causing all three of them to be messily killed. Uh, I think the quote-unquote best one is the Cream the Rabbit one, because she keeps running into these uh, the TV screens with the speed-up shoes. And she gets faster and faster and faster and faster until she's completely uncontrollable and then crashes into some spikes. Uh, it's also... Um, the It's not as well known as the original Sonic.exe, uh, but it does feature more in the way of original sprites and backgrounds. I'm not currently aware of any secrets in this game. I could be wrong. Somebody could correct me. And there's also several unofficial sequels to this game as well, including a Rouge.exe and a Shadow.exe. Apparently Shadow.exe is really, really brutal, but I can't confirm this, I've not played them personally. Or seen a playthrough. But I think we should have one more, some more music. So, since it is nearly Halloween, and I like Halloween a lot, and I also like this track a lot, uh, this is We Fear the Light 
a remix of the Sandopolis Sound music by DJ Ear.
again. That was the Mystic Cave Zone from Sonic 2. Prior to that, it was We Fear the Light, Sandopolis Remix by DJ Ear. Hope you enjoyed those. Uh, we are just discussing, uh, because of the, uh, the Sandopolis Remix, the, uh, the little ghosts that are in, these, in Sandopolis Act 2. Uh, they have such a pain, especially as uh, Mr. Jamie Wonderman pointed out, if you're playing as Knuckles, they're already released, so you have to uh, run around like a crazy person trying to find the light switch because they're already huge. I personally think the ghosts are kind of cute when they're tiny and they first appear, but when they're big and scary and have teeth, they're pretty a pain in the ass. Uh, and some people are comparing it to um, the ghosts that are in uh, the pump is it Pumpkin Hill in Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, when you're doing where you're playing as Knuckles and uh, you have the uh, the ghosts that are chasing you, then I forgot the name of it. I'll have to remember at some point. Uh, people are also complaining about Mystic Cave and the spike and the uh, the spike pit, the inescapable spike pit in Mystic Cave Act Two. Uh, I've only been caught in that a few times, mostly because I know where it is, so I know how to avoid it. But occasionally I screw up the jump, which is a bit of a pain. Uh, I think we should do some gaming urban legends, actually. Uh, so, Luna Eternal Blue for the Sega CD had an item called the Dark Scimitar, which was listed in the manual, but wasn't included in the final release of the game. Of course, since it was in the manual, this caused players to explore every nook and cranny of the game, trying to find the location of this elusive item, figuring that if it was in the manual, it had to exist. Right? Right? Turns out there was a way to get hold of it, but it involves exploiting a glitch to do with a certain character leaving your party. So there isn't any legitimate way of getting hold of it because it was indeed removed from the game. So the manual was lying to you. Because, as a lot of people will be aware, these days the manuals were produced quite a way in advance of the game being released, so a lot of stuff was listed in them that didn't make it into the final build of the game. Also, we were discussing Gaming Urban Legends uh, on the chat earlier, and I.I. Uh, was mentioning about the rumours about how you would prevent the death of or resurrect Aerith slash Aeris in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, likewise, in Fantasy Star 2, there were also many, many, many rumours on how to prevent or reverse the death of Nay, uh, which is a similar shocking death halfway through the game. And has its, uh, the fan reaction was pretty similar as well. Turns out that uh, the, uh, the fans don't really like it when characters they are fond of are killed off. Who knew? Now again, there's no legitimate way of doing this in the original game. However, it is possible in the remake if you have a completed save file of the Fantasy Star 1 remake, and an awful lot of time on your hands, uh, since it does take quite a while to pull off, it is possible to resurrect Nay. But apparently it, it does take a heck of a lot of grinding, and it is a huge pain in the backside. <laughs> Rexy confirms Gwesoff plagiarised Sega. <laughs> Oh, spoilers. The original Shining Force was from like 25 years ago. Come on, dude. The statute of limitations is kind of past. Uh, Mr. Wonderman Jamie is saying that the best Roman legend there is, and it's not Sega, Luigi and Super Mario 64. Oh, L is real 2064 or whatever the hell it was. Which apparently doesn't say that at all. About as bad as the Paul is dead rumour. So SBK is saying, Well, sign me up for grabbing the remake so I can go through all that work in Shining Force. You carry on, dude. In fact, you film it and uh, you can show us all what you have to do. 
There's probably playthroughs already, but it'd be cool to see somebody from the chat go through all of that. Let's have some more music. Uh, let's have something from Lunar Eternal Blue, actually. There's a remix I've got here by Quinn Fox called, appropriately enough, Orange October. It's an OC remix by Quinn Fox from Lunar Eternal Blue. So I hope you enjoy that.
Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 
Let's talk about House of the Dead. Palette cleanser. Uh, so some House of the Dead trivia. Apparently the, the, the blue cat with the ladybird wings is Catbug from Bravest Warriors. Oh, it's adorable. I like it. I want one. I want the cat in general, so that's kind of beside the point. So, House of the Dead I was going to talk about. Uh, just some random trivia. Uh, the characters of James Taylor and his partner Gary Stewart just so happen to share the names of two famous 70s singer-songwriters. It seems to me a little bit unlikely that that's pure coincidence, but I've never seen it confirmed that this is a deliberate reference. I don't think anybody from the development team has actually said, yes, it's a reference. But it does seem a bit odd that two characters have theme naming by accident. Now, House of the Dead EX was never released outside of Japan, with one exception. A single Sega-operated arcade in mainland China, which was open to test the market in that location. Uh, I Need Fruit could probably tell you more about it if he was around, but he is busy with uni work, which is a shame. We miss you, I Need Fruit. Come back soon. The arcade unfortunately didn't do very well and ended up closing down and ended the life of the only EX machine outside of Japan. It's not clear what happened to the cabinet after that though. So um, it could be anywhere, frankly. Uh, There are Photoshop pictures of the cabinet in other locations that do continue to surface online from time to time. Also, the lack of worldwide release for that game means that most fans of the series in the US and Europe, the first time they ever saw Zobia and Zobiko in playable form was in Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. The first one, not the last one. So yeah, that's a bit sad that it took that long for us to actually see it. Let's have some more music. Uh, Let's have some Shining Force and some House of the Dead music. So, first of all, we have Shining Force Attack from the original Shining Force game.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Overseas version from Fantasy Star 2. No, it wasn't, that's a bloody lie. Looking at the wrong thing. Uh, we're shining for CD, five sided armor, sorry, sided square. And shining force attack. Uh, I know I said we were going to have some uh, House of the Dead music, but we'll have that in a moment. People are torturing me on the chat because they're saying how young they were when the original House of the Dead came out, and now I feel really, really. I may die of old age. Uh, but yeah, speaking of gaming urban legends, there was uh, there were so so many stories about Sonic and Tails and various other Sonic characters being in Super Smash Brothers um, well before it was actually confirmed. Um, there were various games magazines would feed the the hype by saying. Um, that uh, there was a way of doing it by putting a stupidly long complicated code in which I always found quite amusing Uh, there was also jokes about um, Super Smash Brothers uh, having uh, being getting extra characters and levels and stuff as part of a service that didn't exist called We Expand it was, supposed, it was supposed to be called Super Smash Brothers Brawl Extreme, geared towards an adult audience with gore and decapitations a la uh, Mortal Kombat. That made me laugh like a drain, because it's so stupid. Uh, there's also um, various comments about uh, other characters who were supposed to be in it. Um, Things like Missing Number and uh, Chunky Kong, I think. Uh, it was, yeah, complete insanity. Uh, Mr. Wonderman Jamie is saying that Sonic was going to be in melee along with Snake, but it was cut late in development. I've not seen any confirmation of that. If you can, uh, if you can find me some confirmation of that, then um, I would be interested in seeing that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, some other Super Smash Brothers things are there. Yeah, there's, uh, there were very early legends about uh, Mega Man being in, in Brawl, uh, alongside Snake and Sonic. Uh, the story was that there'd been some sort of falling out between Nintendo and Capcom. But uh, Inafune from Capcom then claimed that permission was never acquired and they, if they'd been asked they would have said yes. So that one kind of scuppered that one. Anyway, I think we should have the music and I think I should uh, fulfil my promise and we should have some House of the Dead music. So this is Magician Fight from House of the Dead.
across with Dead. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I like really like that track. I think it's great. Um, Mr. W- Jamie, Jamie Wonderman has confirmed that, uh, apparently, according to Yuji Naka, uh, in an interview with Edge magazine, that the um, that Super Smash Brothers Melee was very close, quote, to having Sonic as an unlockable character, um, but time constraints didn't allow them to continue with the idea. That's an interesting uh, piece of information. Anyway, I've put it off for long enough, so let's talk about the Tails dolls, shall we? Now, if you've never played Sonic R on the Saturn, you might be unaware of an unlockable character called the Tails doll. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like, a plush doll resembling Tails. Though it looks kind of, well, the graphics restraint on the satin means it looks very blocky looking, and it also is deliberately designed to look kind of poorly stitched together and has this blank, dead, slightly derpy, dead-eyed stare that gives it the very strong uncanny, uncanny valley type appearance. Turns out that working in textiles is not Robotnik's preferred medium. Now, probably due to the uncanny valley effect of this thing, Many fans of the Sonic series proclaimed that this thing was weird, creepy, and frightening. Eventually, this culminated in an internet urban legend where stories claimed that anyone who either managed 100% completion on Sonic R, or who managed to tag Supersonic with the Tails doll in uh, battle tag mode, would find themselves visited by the creepy doll in the middle of the night in the real world, where they and their entire family would subsequently be horribly murdered. Uh, the song Can You Feel the Sunshine has become strongly associated with the Tails doll to the point where uh, this is kind of his theme. And there was also a creepypasta story site, a collection of various stories, that had that name. I don't know if it's still around. A quick Google search, couldn't I couldn't find it, but it could still be out there somewhere. Now this is odd because the Tails doll's home track on Sonic R where you would lock him is Radical City, which should make his theme living in the city. Huh. Perhaps it's due to the dissonance of having such a cheerful, upbeat song like Can You Feel the Sunshine being associated with such a creepy character? I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Fans are a bit odd. Somebody's saying Can You Feel the City. That would be a bit strange. Can you feel, yeah. Jamie loves that song. I quite like uh, Can You Feel the Sunshine, so I think just to be a pain in the ass, I'm going to close out with Can You Feel the Sunshine. Uh, so this is Richard Jack's Can You Feel the Sunshine, original version from Sonic R. Thank you everybody for listening. I've been Skyblaze, this has been The Hidden Palace. And I will see you all next week for episode 7. Thanks a lot, guys. Good night, and have a spooky Halloween.
enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.